This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated Podcast, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranay Malampati, alongside Andrew Miner. And while we're, ha- we're highly anticipating the Baylor football game against Oklahoma, which is, to pl- which is to be played in two hours, a game that if you're listening, you already know the outcome of. You already know if Baylor has clinched a bowl game or not. We're here actually today to preview the 2022 Baylor basketball season. As a refresher, Baylor basketball last season shared the Big 12 regular season championship with Kansas after each team went 14-4. and in the Big 12, which meant that Baylor was able to repeat as Big 12 champs after winning it, winning the sole title the year before. The Bears were bounced out early in the Big 12 tournament to Oklahoma, but still earned a one seed into the NCAA tournament. In the second round of March Madness, they played eight seed UNC and had a deficit of as much as 25 points, but came all the way back to take the game into OT, eventually losing in OT. UNC obviously went on to beat Duke in the Final Four, sent Coach K on his merry way, and lost to Kansas in the NCAA Tournament Championship game. So it wasn't a bad loss for Baylor. And overall, considering Baylor won the Big 12 title, or at least shared it with Kansas, we can chalk it up as another successful season under Scott Drew. But there have been a lot of changes to this Baylor team. The roster is revamped. They've brought in some grad transfers. They've brought in not just grad transfers, other transfers as well. Um, have some injured players coming back and have brought in highly touted five-star freshman guard, Keontae George. We'll get into all the changes, the players they've lost, whether to the draft or to other teams, and the players that they've brought in. We'll get into all of that later on in segment one of the podcast. But... All that is to say, Baylor basketball is ripe for success yet again and has the opportunity to three-peat as Big 12 champs. The nation is on board as well, with the Bears ranked number five in the in the preseason AP poll. Andrew, your early thoughts? Yeah, Pranay, Baylor basketball, back-to-back Big 12 championships in the regular season. Uh, it was truly miraculous what they did last year, uh, just with beating Kansas and game day and, and how they closed the year, especially with all the injuries that they had. Um, so I think the two key things this year is that the bears are healthy um, based on all reports coming out of, out of, uh, out of the Baylor camp. And you hit the nail on the head revamped roster with the additions that they're uh, bringing in with George, the highest rated Baylor recruit ever. And, and some, uh, really good transfers coming in. The The roster is revamped. So healthy and revamped, I think this team is even better than they were last year. Hopefully they can stay healthy and they are a trendy national title final four pick this, this uh, you know, this preseason and, and the season starts Monday. So um, just, just excited, just excited to hit the hardwood and, uh, and, and see, see what's happening. 
Um, and, and how, you know, can they pull off a three-peat in the Big 12? Yeah, it's very exciting. It's exciting to be a Baylor sports fan, obviously, at this, at this point in time. Um, but with football season not going as well as many of us expected, it's nice to have basketball season coming. And Baylor basketball is, again, one of the top teams in the country. Now, yeah. I, I want to get into some of these these offseason changes because they're going to be very important this season. Baylor's lost some key players and has brought on some key players. So let's dive into it. <clears throat> Gone are key freshman contributors from last season, Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sohan, who both were selected in the NBA draft. Also gone are fan favorite Matthew Meyer, who is a contributor on Baylor's national championship team a couple of seasons ago. He now is on the Illinois Fighting Illini, who seem like they'll be a good team. Sad to see him go, but I think I think there wasn't really a spot for him on this team. And last year's grad transfer and last year's yeah, and, and last year's grad transfer point guard, James Akinjo, who was a starter and an important player on the 2021-2022 team, is also gone. That's four key players right there that are gone from last year's Big 12 championship team. But the Bears have added some great talent. Like you mentioned, Keontae George is the highest-rated recruit in Baylor basketball history. He, he's the number one shooting guard recruit in the nation. They also bring in transfer wing Jalen Bridges from West Virginia, who's a good player, and a couple of other transfers, Caleb Willner from BYU, and a uh, good defensive player, and then a Juco transfer, Dantuan Grimes. We actually had Grimes' coach on, on the Bears Illustrated podcast back in the spring, and, and he had nothing but good things to say about Grimes. Maybe he won't contribute super early, but he said he's a hardworking guy who knows how to play his role and will fit right into Scott Drew's system. Um, and Scott Drew knows how to find those JUCO transfers and, um, and, and put them right in for instant success. You know, Pierre Jackson, uh, Kenny Cherry, you know, the list goes on and on. So uh, definitely not, not overlooking him and fans shouldn't either. Definitely not. And, and someone else who we shouldn't overlook is Dale Bonner, who, if I if I'm correct, he was also a JUCO transfer. He came yes. came in last year and was a contributor. There were times when he hit some important threes, played important point guard minutes when James and Kenjo was injured for stretches of the season. And based on the success that Scotcher has had developing JUCO players, um, we think about Devonte Bandu a couple of years ago, Freddie Gillespie. There is a chance that Dale Bonner turns into. Uh, an important player on this team. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, the the transfers are great and we kind of got a a little sneak peek of, of how, you know, just the, of the talent of these, these transfers, these freshmen that, that can't uh, are coming in right with the, the global jam up in Canada over the summer that, that Baylor participated in representing uh, USA basketball, which was, um, you know, re- really cool. I, I know we had, um, you know, a guest on and we were asking, uh, you know, um, CJ Moore of The Athletic, like, hey, are, are, is USA trying to groom Coach Drew to be the, 
the new head coach in the future or future head coach. And, uh, you know, kind of mom, mom was the word there, but that, that would be cool. I still think that would be awesome. Um, and you mentioned all the talent that we lost last year, Pranay. I think we lost some, some really fun, talented guys. Uh, but when I think back and recall last season, you know, winning the battle for Atlantis, crushing Villanova, um, which was kind of like the peak of, of, you know, Baylor's performance, I would say last year, um, when they just had everybody healthy and firing on all, all cylinders, they weren't one on the road in Oregon. Uh, the team was still kind of smaller, right? That they, they didn't have too many big guys, uh, you know, down low. Yeah. They flow both flow Thamba and then Jonathan Chamo Chachua. And once every day, John went down against Texas with that crushing, devastating injury. Uh, it, you know, they were kind of forced to figure out the pieces again and, um, and, and put together. So it was kind of really miraculous that they, that they even got a share of the big 12 title. But this year, you know, with all those key pieces gone and they were fantastic pieces this year, I think could be a lot better um, because we've gotten a lot bigger, right? Keontae George, obviously the highest, uh, you know, touted freshman. He had 37 points in the semifinal against Canada. So he's basically all, all ready to go, uh, right? Langston Love, I think, 6'5", uh, wing. I think that was something someone that Coach Drew really thought was going to help take the team to a back-to-back title last year, and it obviously tore, tore his ACL in the secret scrimmage against Texas A&M. Uh, no injuries to report of uh, in their scrimmage with Texas A&M this year, so that that's a good thing. And speaking to people on the inside, it looks like Love is ready to go and looks is looking really, really good. Um, so they're adding size with George. They're adding size with Love. And then I'm, I'm really excited to see, as we wait the return uh, of the rehab of, of uh, Chamo Chachua, I'm really excited to see uh, Josh uh, Ojonawala. I'm butchering that pronunciation. I apologize. Um, but he's going to be an incoming freshman from the NBA Global Cad- uh, Academy from uh, Nigeria, played in the you know NBA um, Basketball Without Borders uh, in Africa, you know, kind of just this 6'10", um, you know, very energetic, very athletic uh, center, basically, to to run the floor with the Baylor uh, Bears. And he got to the team maybe a couple hours in Canada before their game uh, uh, against the Canadian team. So he joined Baylor for the first time ever a few hours before they played Canada. Um, and he hopped right in, had like six points, four rebounds in limited minutes, First time even, you know, playing with all the guys and, uh, you know, was able to kind of do well there. So I think this, I think you're going to see a different team this year just because of the, the, the sheer size that Baylor is adding both on the perimeter and inside. Um, and if they can stay as hot from beyond the arc and combine that with some, you know, rebounds, uh, you know, inside, then, you know, I think everybody's correct to say this is a Final Four team. Yeah, and I love that point you made there about, forgive me if I butcher the pronunciation as well, but Josh Ojinwuna. Josh, Josh. Everyday John now. Now hopefully we'll have Everyday Josh. Josh O. (laughs) We'll see what name he likes. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, Jonathan Chamuchachua going down was 
a massive hit to the team last year because he's such a he's we need him we need his athleticism and his size on the inside not to mention his energy and his energy of course yeah full thamba stepped up big time but he's simply not as athletic as everyday john and hopefully ojin ojian wuna who is a four-star recruit he's the number 15 rated center by 24-7 sports in this recruiting class, which is great. The number two recruit out of Australia. If he can step up and immediately be a key contributor on the inside, that twin towers of him and Flo Thamba, and then hopefully Everyday John will come back healthy, ready to go. And they'll have a trifecta of centers that they can rotate, keep all of them fresh, and have big bodies on the inside. Real quickly, I wanted to ask, since you said you, you talked to some insiders about Langston Love, um, does he look completely recovered? Do you know if the ACL looks like it's totally clean now? Yeah, I don't know the extent of if they would say it's totally clean. I think he was, I'm not sure if he was wearing a brace, so I don't want to misspeak there, but he was practicing and scrimmaging full, you know, full, full minutes, full throttle, um, nice. uh, with, with Baylor. So my understanding is that he's ready to go day one and maybe, maybe they work, you know, just limited, they got a big roster. So you don't need to throw him out there for 40 minutes against, you know, Mississippi Valley state, you know, for example. Um, but he should be ready to play day one and, and move forward. Um, and the people that I was you know, speaking to was were, were really impressed by him and are excited about the dimension that he'll add, especially after that injury last year. And then, um, and then George, obviously, that they're already saying George looks so much different just from like a physique perspective from when he played with Baylor in the Global Jam to to now. And that was you know uh, when practice began. So. Yeah, I think I think people are really really excited about him, um, and he seems to have a, a professional manner, um, you know, self confidence about him as well. He there was a tweet, you know, in the opening press conference that Baylor just had the other day. He he went up and shook every media member's hand and and said, you know, thanks for thanks for being here, thanks for asking the questions, um, which is <clears throat> which is interesting, um, you know, which is which is always good to see. I think Coach Drew really instills that in in a lot of the players that come through the program. Pernay, a question I had for you was, you know, I, I think this team is still going to live and die at the point guard um, position. And I think Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer are going to be two huge cogs um, of that. What are you looking for from, from those two players specifically uh, this season? Yeah, totally. I'm from those two players, I'm looking for them to be the leaders of this team. I'm looking for them to carry the scoring load. I know Keontae George is very talented. Sure. And he can he can score a lot, for sure. But Cryer and Flagler have shown that they can be big time scorers in big games and they have the experience. They don't have to worry about chemistry to the same extent that these other players do because they at least have played with themselves with each other they've played with Dale Bonner with Flo Thamba um so I'm gonna want to see them be leaders be able to bring this team together and 
and score a lot of points. I don't know who's going to be the ball handler. I think that this is where Dale Bonner comes in. If Dale Bonner can be a consistent 20 to 30 minute player, handling the ball, taking care of business, business, not turning the ball over and getting the ball to the players that we need to do the scoring, including Cryer and Flagler, that's going to be a huge boost to this team. We need a point guard who can be sturdy and just essentially do his job. And I think that Dale Bonner can be that guy, and he can his play can lead to the success of a lot of other players on this Baylor basketball team. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I think I think Bonner really already proved that, um, you know, last year as well, being able to come in, uh, you know, forklift some of that that load and burden off off the other players, especially in the time uh, times of injuries with the Kinjo's back and Flagler's foot, um, Cryer's foot. Uh, you know, I, I I think you're exactly right. I think these guys got to be the the shooters. You know, starts and end. Uh, on on the perimeter, Adam Flyler was big reason why Baylor won the national title. You know, a couple years years ago against Gonzaga, right, hit the dagger three with about twelve minutes left on the fast break against the Bulldogs. Uh, Butler fed him cross court, great play. Uh, last season, Adam Flyler thirteen point eight points per game, three assists per game, shot forty four percent from the field, thirty thirty eight percent from three. Crier in obviously limited action, thirteen point five points per game. 47% shooter anywhere on the court um, overall, basically. So, you know, I think I think the experience is needed from Flagler. I think Bonner can definitely forklift some of that load. I think you're going to see Love and George take immediate big roles uh, as long as they're, you know, healthy and um, things like that. So I think they'll help with the, uh, the ball handling duties from time to time. And potentially uh, Jalen Bridges as well. Yeah, I was thinking that, but I think – I think in a perfect world, Drew would want to use him more on like as a forward, as a you know someone on the perimeter, not necessarily as handling uh, the point, you know, handling the ball, so to speak. That, that's what I was thinking. Just from you know last year at West Virginia, it was it was Taz Sherman, right? You know, with uh, handling the ball, Bridges was kind of on the side. And I'm glad you mentioned Bridges because he's a great addition and he's a, just another player that gives Baylor more size, um, you know, on, on that wing and can, you know, bang inside as well, because Sohan was a little, you know, a smaller undersized center. Um, and, you know, Hey, it worked. They drew was able to exploit uh, Kansas very well with Sohan at the point guard position. So I think it's gotten to a point where basically anybody at Baylor can do anything. It's just trying to, optimize for the most efficient basketball possible, um, you know, to, to win a, win a title, big 12 title, national title, final four type thing. Um, yeah, but I think, I think Bridges should contribute, you know, key, key roles. He could be like a glue guy, I think. Um, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a veteran, he's a really imperative glue guy. Definitely. Um, I, I, I agree with your take on Bridges. I don't think he would be the primary ball handler, but I guess I just threw him out as a guy who can take some of that burden off of – because if, if it does right. come down to we don't have – like Dale Bonner seems like the only true point guard on this team, and if he doesn't show that he can right. play high-quality minutes for a long period of time, we're going to be sharing the ball between different ball handlers, and Bridges is just another guy who can take some of that load off. 
Um, I see him kind of in that Kendall Brown role, but hopefully he yeah, won't be sure. thrown thrown into the fire like Brown was last year, which I think was a, a big reason for Kendall Brown's struggles. And and Bridges has more experience. The experience for sure. I think I think part of the the reason, and it's interesting you should say that Brown is on the eve of the NBA draft in our podcast. But but Brown, I think, is now in the G League for the Indiana Pacers, and I think he's just been signing like two way contracts type thing. Meanwhile, Sohan is starting um, for the San Antonio Spurs. He's not really scoring a lot, but he he has started basically every game um, this this season, uh, which I which I find interesting. I think Brown just wasn't as aggressive as he needed to be. Kind of similar, like you know, Perry Jones. Um, is a is a player. I know that was a little before before your time at. You're dating at, yourself you know, there. Officially at Baylor, but uh, just didn't seem to have that aggressiveness that he needed to. Um, and and I think that's going to be a big uplift that that we see with George coming in. George seems to kind of have that that killer, you know, Mamba mentality uh, type type thing. Absolutely, absolutely. I've got so, nothing else to say right there. Well, I'll show a little bit of love for Caleb Warner. I think he'll be a, a potentially a good contributor on the defensive side of the ball coming over okay. from BYU. He's a pretty thick guy, 6'8", forward. Yep. I think they brought him in for defensive purposes. Size, size. He only shot 21% from three against, uh, you know, at, at last season at BYU, and I didn't – I wasn't blown away with anything he did offensively. He missed a lot of shots in the in the global jam, um, so I wasn't I didn't walk away feeling too impressed by by him. Uh, but he also was just joining the team, so maybe he can be that like defensive rebounding guy, um, you know, off the bench type type deal for uh, for for the Bears. So you know, I think I think there's definitely a role with him. But you know, he's he's big, a lot of a lot of just adding a lot of size. So. I, you know, I think that's something that the Bears lacked um, last year. Yeah, they definitely lacked it last year, especially after JTT's injury. For sure. So um, that's your so that's your Big Twelve season preview. Or not quick, your, uh, your 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 Baylor basketball season preview. <laughs> um, hopefully, quick, uh, quick on the Bears. Wrap, wrap it up, Renee. What's your prediction on, on Baylor men's men's hoop this, this year? Just real quick, they host number 18, Virginia. They got Gonzaga in December on a neutral course uh, court, and they have uh, Arkansas uh, at home for the SEC challenge, and then obviously the whole Big 12 channel, uh, schedule. But w- yeah. what do you think? Did you, you mention, did you mention Gonzaga there? Yes. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, Gonzaga on um, a neutral And we will, we will talk about Gonzaga in the next segment, and they're apparently – our talks that Gonzaga is trying to join the Big 12. So stay tuned. Don't leave. Listen in for that. But I, I've got Baylor. I would say that the Bears go 15-3 and three in the Big 12. Um, I'm going to say we finish oh, – I'll say it. We, we uh, share the Big 12 title again with Kansas, make it a three-peat, and earn – a two seed into the into the NCAA tournament. What are your what's your prediction? Okay. Um, yeah, it just feels like Kansas is always going to be there, right? Even with Coach South being suspended the first four games of the of the year, um, 
yeah, I'll, 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 I think that's fine record-wise. Uh, maybe you know, drop the one to Kansas, share share the title with Kansas. Um, I'm going to say win the Big 12 tournament for the first time ever. Cut down the nets in Kansas City. Get, grab the one seed and go to the Final Four. Return to the Final Four. Um, I'll, I'll root like heck to to see them, you know, cut down the national championship nets. But I'll say Final Four and um, and and that's where it ends. I think I think they lose in the Final Four. Um, okay, I'm not going to make any prediction on the on the on the NCAA tournament. This is literally off the cuff. I have four college football but, games going on right now. <laughs> no, no clue what I'm saying. What's so, the What's the Ohio State game looking like though? I think it's still seven nothing Northwestern. Seven so, nothing Andrews Northwestern Wildcats doing some damage. No, you know, haven't won a game in the U.S. yet, but you know, they're guys <laughs> mid second quarter. That could That could change, but we'll see. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Baylor beats Gonzaga too. Now let's Let's head to the next segment and talk about the the Bulldogs. Sounds good. All right, guys, stay tuned. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Welcome back in to the Bears Illustrated podcast. So ESPN's Pete Thamel reported on Wednesday that Gonzaga's athletic director, Chris Standiford, met with Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark last week as part of, quote, broader discussions about the Zags joining the Big 12. They met in Frisco while Gonzaga was in the Dallas area to play Tennessee for a scrimmage. Andrew, what's your initial reaction to Gonzaga potentially joining the Big 12? Yeah, my initial reaction is that this would be great for everybody. Gonzaga, the Big 12, and the fans. Um, Essentially, it would be a marriage between the crown jewel of um, the non-power power power, uh, teams, so to speak, and Gonzaga, uh, who's the clear-cut best team out there um, outside of the big conferences, and the best college basketball conference um, in the nation, in the Big 12. Um, you know, if Gonzaga is serious about getting over the hump and winning a national championship, um, you know, really they're, they're putting all their marbles today, as it stands today, in winning the West Coast and then, you know, winning six games in March, right? Uh, this would potentially help them be battle-tested for – uh, March Madness. It, it would still be tough, but it would give them a little bit more leeway and probably get them a little bit more paired, one would think, for the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, their Achilles heels, the Zags Achilles heels, uh, have been that they, you know, haven't been able to get over the hump, win a national title, and they've been stonewalled by by Big 12 teams. So we saw Texas Tech beat them a few years ago. 
uh, in the uh, in the tournament, and then Baylor in the national championship totally uh, throttled Gonzaga. So um, it could be a, a good marriage for for everybody involved. Um, you know, how excited would you be if if this were to come to fruition? I think it would be great for the Big Twelve. It brings another big name into the conference. Gonzaga is a team that has had an incredible amount of success on the basketball court over the last 20-ish years. They have made the tournament every year since 2000-2001. They've won the West Coast Conference all but one of those years, at least a share of it. They've made 10 Sweet 16s, 5 Elite 8s, and 2 National Championship games in that time. Like you mentioned, they they weren't able to close the deal either of those times, but they're a basketball powerhouse. And bringing in a, a school like that to the Big 12 for basketball purposes, I think would be great for the conference and, and the visibility of the conference, especially on the West Coast. And you'd have Gonzaga, Baylor, and Kansas as three powerhouse basketball teams at the top of the conference, along with teams like Houston, Kansas State, West Virginia, yep. Texas Tech were all very good. So I don't think there would be anything bad about Gonzaga joining Gonzaga basketball joining the conference. And the Zags have reportedly showed interest in joining the Pac-12 and the Big East as well. The the challenges the biggest challenge I believe in Gonzaga joining either the Big 12 or the Pac-12 is the fact that the Bulldogs don't have a football team. Football is the moneymaker sport, and while the Big 12 is a powerhouse basketball conference, football is still the main source driving revenue and putting the conference on the national stage. And I think that Gonzaga not having a football team would make it would make it difficult to have them join this conference without some kind of arrangement along the lines of Gonzaga joining specifically for basketball and not for other sports or for Gonzaga not being part of the revenue split when it comes to football. Um, I think that I just saw something that said the Big 12's recent media deal, the revenue, there's a pro rata clause in the conference's new media rights deal. And apparently that's only for, that only applies to power five schools. So maybe that right there is, Brett Yormark already pre-planning, and if Gonzaga joins for basketball specifically, then they wouldn't have to worry about giving them any of that media rights agreement. Can you can you elaborate on that, Pranay? That sounded interesting. Um, yeah, so this is an article on Awful Announcing, and it says, with rumblings growing about the Big 12 possibly adding Gonzaga, some extra context has been reported about the prorata clause included in the conference's new media rights deal. Right. Um, first reported by Michael Smith of the Sports Business Journal, the prorata clause only applies to Power 5 schools. Um, so the Big 12 negotiated a prorata clause into its contract, meaning the conference is assured of getting a raise if it expands Okay, this is the conference is assured of getting a raise if it expands with another Power Five school, and so that I guess that's talking about Big Twelve expansion. So adding Gonzaga would not increase the the revenue of the Big Twelve or the schools. I guess is what this is saying. That that ESPN would pay. It sounds like it sounds like if there's a clause in there that if they added a Washington or an Oregon. 
then ESPN and Fox would be required to pay more based on the, how the deal is constructed today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But since Gonzaga is not a Power 5, a current Power 5 program, that would not apply. Also, it only applies to ESPN's chunk of the media rights, media rights agreement, not Fox's. Not Fox's. ESPN's, the, ESPN's is about 63% of the total value. Got it. Okay. All according yeah. to awful announcing. Well, that's interesting. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we've been denied a lot of Baylor-Gonzaga games um, in the past. And when I say a lot, really tw- tw- two, right? The, the one in 2021 that was um, uh, postponed, you know, on Christmas. I guess it would have been 2020, December 2020, right? Uh, but then also, I think there was some thoughts that maybe Gonzaga Baylor had a chance to meet up in the Final Four of the 2020 tournament as well. So um, it would it would be fun to have Gonzaga in the conference and just you know run it back with with them and uh, you know adding Houston, adding Cincinnati. Think you know just the some of the history that these programs would carry if you know if all of these programs joined the Big Twelve uh, is is pretty incredible to think about. And Pernay, with conference expansion being talked about, and obviously those are preliminary conversations, the NCAA in general is having preliminary conversations about increasing the postseason uh, of, of all college sports to, fit, to include 50% of teams. Um, and one of those tournaments is also, is of course, the basketball tournament, March Madness, uh, increasing, increasing it from 68 teams to, you know, Name, name your number, but most notably was uh, potentially increasing it from 68 to 128 teams. And Baylor coach Scott Drew actually came out and said he was an advocate for that to increase it to 128 teams for the postseason. Um, he had some interesting reasons uh, for it, chief among those being, you know, it would just be one more it would just be one more game, so it's not like you're throwing a bunch of extra basketball games on, on the athletes or the teams, um, and everybody would have to win seven, so no playing games. But then, uh, you know, ideally with more teams being included, you could, uh, you know, more, more teams are going to be invited, so there might be less bubble talk, you know, more deserving teams, more teams from maybe smaller conferences. Uh, but those those were kind of the you know, his, his reason, his rationale, right. For arguing for it. What, what, what do you think? Where do you stand on expanding the uh, March Madness tournaments? I like March Madness as is. I, I don't really think there's a need to expand the tournament. I get the argument that when this tournament was set at 64, 68 teams, there were fewer D one schools than there are now. And so it would, I guess make the ratio of schools that make the tournament to to D one schools more even with how it was when the tournament was started or, or expanded, but I just don't feel a need to have any more teams in the tournament. Sixty eight is a lot. I love it, but there are already blowouts like one one versus sixteen seed matchups are, are usually blowouts. Do we want to see one versus 32? Do we want to see two versus 31? Like even a, a five versus a 28 or something like that. Like I feel like 
adding a lot more teams. We're just going to be adding a lot more blowout games to March Madness. And I think we're at we're at the we're at a perfect situation right now where the best teams are, are going to advance enough and we're also still going to have enough upsets. I don't I don't really see I don't see a a benefit to the viewers of adding 100 or expanding to 128 teams. Yeah, no I and I think it's a lot of that would just get clogged down with mediocre teams. If you're going to expand it for the purpose of including more from the smaller conferences, think about all the the one-bid leagues where their number one seeds get upset in the conference tournament. If you're expanding it for the purpose of making sure that you know some of those one-bid leagues turn into two-bid leagues um, and that you know you don't get for better, for lack of a better term, screwed on on a buzzer beater, and you, you know, you're the you're you run the table in the regular season, and then you lose a quarterfinal, you know, in the in the conference tournament, and and you don't get a bid. Uh, then yeah, I'm I'd, I'd be all for that. Um, you know, I'm all for that now. I always argue argue for those um, those smaller programs, but I mean, let's be honest. If we go to 128, I think what we're gonna see is we're gonna get clogged up with like, you know. 12, uh, what, like 15 and 14 record teams, like 15 and 14 Vanderbilt and 17 and 13, uh, you know, Iowa, like just those middle pack teams that is like, okay, you're only in because you're in a power five league. So it's like kind of just the domino effect of like, oh, you're in a power five league. So therefore your conference is harder. Therefore you play harder games. Therefore your RPI is better. And therefore you should get a bid over other um, people, you know, I, I know, I, I understand the argument for it, but I choose to argue against that. I don't think that's how it should op- be operating. Um, but if there's money to be had, then obviously this will be considered, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm, you know, stay at, stay at 68. I, I really like it the way it is, um, type deal now. So. Yeah. And if they do expand it, 128 is way too much. Like, maybe I, I like the point about those teams in smaller conferences who win the who dominate in the regular season and then lose in, on a tough on a tough deal in the conference tournament. And maybe that leaves out like I don't know, like five solid regular season champs. Maybe you expand the tournament by six to ten teams. At max, like I would, I would prefer to keep it how it is. But if you expand it, if I think you expand it ten. Like where do you stop though? Like that's that's my thing. It's a slippery slope. That's yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's true as well. So that's why I'd, I'd prefer to keep it at sixty-eight. I don't think that. I feel like everyone's just trying to change everything, and not everything needs to be changed. You don't need to change absolutely everything. One hundred percent. There's nothing wrong with. March Madness as it is right now. In fact, there's so many great things about it, and I think the number of teams is perfect. 100%. So uh, one thing that will be changing is the start of college basketball season. So the record will change Monday for the Baylor Bears. They host Mississippi Valley State 11 o'clock at the Farrell Center on Monday. Um, that'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Hopefully you're working remote or you can get away to – 
to watch that game um, to, to get your first sneak peek of um, of Baylor and, and what's to come this season. So I know we'll be uh, covering them every, every step of the way, right, Pernay? So uh, until next time. Yes, sir. Until next time. Thanks for listening.